0: WCNC Charlotte this is flashpoint where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered
1: good sunday morning thanks for joining us here on flashpoint i'm ben thompson by the way also welcome to all the folks in town for the republican national convention Today, delegates for the RNC here in the Queen City conducting official business over this weekend. As you know, the whole convention was supposed to be here this week, bringing in thousands of people and millions of dollars. Now, of course, fewer than 400 delegates here in Charlotte after a lot of back and forth. RNC finally decided to go virtual. Tomorrow, Monday, the delegates will nominate Donald Trump for president once again. There's a chance the president, vice president, might travel here to the Queen City to thank those delegates, but that would probably be in a private setting. The rest of the unconventional convention will happen in and around D.C., likely with plans for the president to be featured and incorporated in some way during every night of the program. Other speakers during the week include First Lady Melania Trump, the president's four children, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley as well. The president is set to accept his renomination from the White House South Lawn on Thursday. All of this coming after the Democrats held their convention this, this past week after running for president in 1988 and 2008 and falling short. This time, Joe Biden finally able to accept his party's nomination. And also a historic night when Kamala Harris accepted the nomination for vice president. We've got analysts from uh, the professor of politics at Catawba College coming up a little bit later in the show. Now I'm joined by Charlotte City Councilman Republican Tark Bakari and Democrat Larkin Eggleston. Two men who supported bringing the RNC here When it was first decided years ago now, despite controversy, Uh, Mr. Bakari, I'll start with you. So once the pandemic came a couple months ago, it it seems like what was already a contentious issue in Charlotte became even more contentious. At one point Republicans moved this thing to Jacksonville only to move it back. Democrat leadership here highly criticized. They said that they were politicized this whole thing. As it is right now, the the, the day before the the big uh, start of this whole thing, are you, as a city leader, comfortable with a convention that uh, met the governor's and city's
2: requirement? Well, I'd start by saying I'm not sure we can qualify this as the start of the big event. I think we're missing about 49,700 people. But it's, putting that aside, um, I, I just, w- when I look at this, I, 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 it just is so depressing to me because it was contentious. We went through two years of, of a lot of work and pain to kind of get to this you know, shining end state. And then as COVID hit, to your point, it became, in my opinion, something a little bit more. It wasn't just about an opportunity to showcase the city on a global stage and get some economic impact. For our 10,000 plus small businesses that are reeling from this economic crisis that that we're in the middle of for the thousands and thousands of hospitality workers um, who are furloughed, who are reeling and trying to figure out what to do. It kind of became, you know, not a solution, but a light at the end of the tunnel of keep holding on with your fingernails long enough and you make it to that. And you're going to have an influx of, of some revenues and some opportunities that could lead to the next thing. And I just, I just see in so many of their eyes that I talked to that, it's a nothing burger at this point. I mean, it's going to be a couple hundred people that almost every single person in Charlotte won't know is here. And then as people think of the convention, which is, you know, Monday through Thursday, that's going to be on TV elsewhere. So it's, it's just, it's super sad that it en- ended this way, but some things were out of our control. I think we have to admit that other things uh, weren't handled as well as they could be, but just assume there will be multiple books written about this one day. But do, you,
1: but do you think, as, a Repu- as one of the few Republican city leaders here in office right now, do you think, are you happy with, given the circumstances, understanding that, that the pandemic is upon us and that's not changing, uh, understanding restrictions, are you okay with the event we're going to have?
2: Look, I mean, it is a unique position to really be the only Republican in town. So I will tell you, this perspective, I think, represents the way a lot of people feel, which is we, we can do more than one thing at a time we have to balance that economic impact that I was talking about. That's so needed by the small businesses, but we also have to use data and understand that we are in uncertain and potentially dangerous times with health and safety. So I firmly believe that we can, we can find a way to balance those things. Ultimately, is it 50,000 people with, with no protocols? No. Is it 300 people where it could literally be any day in Charlotte? I think that was also the other drastic end of this that unfortunately uh, ended up playing out. So I, I think there could have been a solution where some of our local businesses and hospitality workers actually got some meaningful impact and we didn't arrive at that.
1: Larkin, let me bring you here in here. Um, you voted for this several years ago and you got a lot of flack because of it. Um, considering everything that's happened now and where we find ourselves now, would you still make that vote the same way today?
3: I mean, I don't think that you could possibly have foreseen a pandemic and so many of the other things that have happened since then. So to to say what I would do now on a vote that we took two years ago under entirely different circumstances seems silly. I don't think it's uh, surprising that a political convention is being politicized. It's kind of part of it by nature. But I do think that, and it's about, I think it's actually about 400 people, but one of the few things that the Republican National Committee I think, got right in the planning of all this. And I do have some sympathy for the fact that they kind of have to react to the president's whims, which change on a daily basis. That can't be easy. But one of the things that they did, and I think we're glad that they did, was was to hire Dr. Rungi to lead on the health protocols piece of this convention. And he's done so as best I can tell in a very nonpartisan way. He presented to the council two weeks ago what their plans were to a person on the council. I think people were... Impressed and pleased to hear that he had such um, thoughtful ideas around how we can make sure that this is safe for the visitors to our city as well as the people who live and work in our city. Um, And so I do think that this at this scale can be done safely. And, you know, I just finished up the DNC this past week as a delegate for Vice President Biden. It was entirely virtual. I think that was the right thing to do. Um, But I also think that this can be hosted at, at this size safely for our city
1: uh either one of you jump in here do we anticipate larkin you alluded to it but the dnc i mean it was in milwaukee but nobody would know about it uh from watching the coverage i mean there's just barely a mention of it do we expect charlotte will at least get a a slightly larger profile because we actually do have some footprint here
3: some i mean we know that there are some national and international media that are covering it either a, a small handful in person but a lot virtually that will be referencing charlotte Um, I think Milwaukee was referenced. You had multiple elected officials that were able to do a lot of the welcomes there uh, from Milwaukee, from Wisconsin state-level politics. Um, They did get some attention. They had some of the staff that were still orchestrating that event, even though it was all virtual, that were living uh, and working on the ground in Milwaukee. So there was a a relevance for Milwaukee there uh, that's obviously different than ours, and obviously on both cases, much smaller than would have originally been anticipated.
1: Tark, what do you think about this idea of virtual conventions going forward? I mean, we know a lot of these conventions are just a formality at this point. These things are decided. Um, Going forward, are we going to go back to the big ball drops and and huge crowds and arenas?
2: It's impossible to tell right now. I think a lot of people feel like conventions have changed forever going forward in some way. I I think we have to let a little time uh, get between us and and now to to know if that's true. I, I think, though, I mean, the world is becoming more virtual. It's it's ge- it's changing its habits, and and I think that's a really good thing as the silver lining of a really bad situation. But I mean, and I'm not trying to be a Republican critiquing the DNC that we saw from afar. But I mean, it was a real snooze fest from my perspective, and I don't think that that's because it was a lack of good speakers and people like you know that are compelling. I just think as if you're going to read a script. That's a kind of a convention style thing and it's via zoom and there's no noise or anything else out there. It's just, it just seems awkward. My hope as we look forward to the RNC, I hope that they don't take a real scripted like state of the union approach, which is what a lot of that stuff felt like. And some people just come with bullet points and they almost talk like, Hey, you don't get this opportunity first to kind of virtually have a conversation. I think that's gotta be a recipe.
3: We right. tried to get the guy from My Pillow, but he was already booked. So we All had to settle for people—settle for people who actually know what they're talking about. All right, listen, we, like we, the NBA.
1: We, 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 We've got to get a break in. We've got—you guys talk a lot. We've got to get a break <laughs> in. Uh, and on a serious note, we have got to talk about uh, ethics reform there at the Government Center. Something both of you guys have talked about recently. Um, we've got to get that in on the other side of the break.
4: We're really desperate.
0: Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going, but when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the Defenders and asked, where's the money? I
4: know that after you contacted them, things move
2: pretty fast. Just glad we could help you.
0: If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at the Defenders at wcnc.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte.
1: Calls for ethics reform at the government center in Uptown. It comes after some say federal COVID-19 relief money is being misdirected. City leaders set aside about $50 million for small businesses and workers that we know have been devastated by this crisis. Councilman Bakari accused by some of his colleagues of of, of trying to help uh, organizations he's connected with. Important to say here, city attorney said he'd get no direct financial benefit. City manager says it didn't appear unethical. Now with that, State GOP filed ethics complaints against two Democrats on council for conflicts of interest on, on related cases. Uh, our, our city council members join us uh, once again. Tark, I'll get a chance, uh, give you a chance to respond to all that. But uh, Larkin, let me give, begin with you and say, in general, do you feel like given the climate, is, is there time, is it, now is the time to sort of revi- revisit the city's um, ethics policy when it comes to, to you all and other city officials?
3: I think there's absolutely improvements we can make to it. And I think that those discussions are already ongoing in our budget and effectiveness committee. Um, Most of the complaints that have been filed have not been COVID fund related. And the city manager and city attorney said that they felt uh, fully confident in the way that the COVID dollars were deployed. Uh, There likely should have been some additional discussions that were had up front, but that there was not anything unethical or illegal about it. Uh, This is kind of the complaint thing has kind of become a way for people to just, um, attack folks that they disagree with at this point. And I think it's really making us look kind of silly and frankly, it's distracting from a lot of really important work that we've got in front of us.
1: Tark, I'll give you a chance to respond. And also, I mean, do you think this is just, um, being politicized at this point?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely being politicized. I, I will give a little bit of, of grace that we have been under really unique challenging times these last five months, right? I mean, what we're, what we're setting out to do is not only impossible as you think about COVID response from a health perspective, safety of the city, the economic impacts. And then we had, of course, the protests and then this, the, the police challenges and everything that the RNC and all the time, all of our colleagues as a group that have to work to, to solve this crisis, haven't been able to been around, be around each other in person. So I think we have to start with a little grace there, but I'll agree. This is, I mean, this is almost embarrassing that right now it's, it's devolved to the point that it's in the, the punchline on kind of what you said. And I think Larkin kind of teed that up a little bit is we were all working um, in good faith, trying to figure out how do we help small businesses, hospitality workers, our city recover we worked hard, fast, 100-hour weeks, and uh, we did so above board, and then it became politicized. The city attorney has looked at all of it and said um, in his review, no, there were no conflicts of interest. And then it just kind of spiraled from there as a purely political um, attack and reason. And I think that the real punchline for me is we've got to, We've got to get, get past this. We've got to get back to focusing on work because it's literally sucking up all of our time. And I think there's a real probability if we, even if we did turn the corner right now and got right back to work, there's a real probability of the $154 million of CARES Act uh, federal funding that came to Charlotte so we could help the very people that need it. There's a chance we could send 100 million back by the end of December because we sat around and squabbled over political reasons over a million right that has been deemed to be above board so to me while I feel definitely in my heart um, a little wounded through this whole process uh, after trying to do the right thing you got to put that aside and and circle back on that you know after this crisis is over and see how you feel right now you got to work for the people
1: gentlemen thank you both we do appreciate it Um, coming up on the other side of the break we talked to a local professor of politics about conventions as they're happening
0: now Tornadoes, the tropical storms, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warned Team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location.
1: We're in your hand with the WCNC Weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte.
4: So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warned Storm Team will be there for you.
1: And joining me for the rest of the show, one of our favorites to break down uh, all things political, Dr. Michael Bitzer, professor of politics up at Catawba College. Professor, thanks as always. We appreciate it. All right. So we watched the DNC this past week. We're about ready to see the the, the RNC. Uh, First, let me get your impressions. This was a historic convention in in many ways. You're you're the historian when it comes to these things, but I mean, never had one like this. Um, What were your thoughts watching it?
4: You know, the big question was, will the virtualness of this convention convey over to an audience? And I think for the most part, it was successful. I think the Democrats really were focused on some core messages that really were captured in Joe Biden's acceptance speech on uh, Thursday evening. That of compassion, that of understanding, that of empathy, that of seriousness. I mean, the young man who uh, introduced Joe Biden and talked about the fact that he was a stutterer and Joe Biden could sympathize and empathize because he also suffered from stuttering. Uh, It was just a very powerful moment. And I think for the most part, they have to look at this convention as a success. Um, If if you were advising the RNC here in Charlotte, uh, what would you tell them? I think certainly that with the Democrats pre-planning for a virtual uh, convention, it showed in that they were able to do a lot of taping and a lot of pre-prep before this week. Yes, some of the speeches were live. Most of them were pre-taped. So the question in my mind is how much live versus Uh, what they were able, what the RNC has been able to work through uh, when they made the decision to move from Charlotte to Jacksonville and finally to go to virtual. Now, the Democrats had a considerable amount of time to pre-plan this. It will be interesting to see the dynamics of how the RNC matches it. Do they go with longer speeches? Do they highlight ordinary Americans What's their theme? What is their focus for the next week to kind of set the dynamics for the Republican message in in opposition to what we heard from the Democrats?
1: I I know uh, folks like you and I enjoy the, balloon drops and and holding of the signs and, 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 you know, the the rallying cries from the folks down on the floor and the roll call and everything. theatrics. Exactly. Let's just be honest. We like the theatrics of it. Uh, But we also know that for a long time now, going back several decades, these things have been largely a formality. I mean, the the, the races are decided in the spring during the primaries. Do you think going forward? I also know that the parties make a lot of money off of this, and they also get a lot of nonstop news, uh, news uh, uh, coverage. Do you think that going forward, it's going to be different?
4: I think it's going to be different in that they could now see a mixture of the two, uh, both in person and also this kind of virtualness. I thought the 50-plus uh, roll call of the state's was one of the most effective means by which they were able to accomplish. But I thought also Joe Biden's speech, even though it was to a room full of journalists and not with the traditional crowds, really helped him because it made it a focused speech. He directed his attention squarely to the American people through a camera. And I thought that that was probably the most effective means by which to convey it. Yes, you want that energy from the crowd, but the seriousness of what he was presenting that evening really came across.
1: Completely off topic here, but um, you're a professor um, at a local college. Um, and the one bigger story this past week than probably the RNC or DNC is uh, COVID-19 on campus. So, uh
4: <clears throat> I feel duty bound to ask you about how things are there uh, at Catawba College. Well, I'm teaching all of my classes in person. I actually have fewer than 15 students in each class. All of them came in masks this week. It was it was difficult at times, but we persevered. Uh, speaking for almost three hours, you know, twice this week with a mask on was challenging. I felt like I had laryngitis by the end of it. But you know, we understand that there may be a few cases on the Catawba campus. Haven't heard uh, formal numbers as yet, but certainly when you bring people together in this kind of a setting, whether it's Chapel Hill or Catawba, uh, these kinds of issues are going to are going to eventually arise. It's a reality.
1: Let's be honest. You, as a professor, you you, you have a hard enough time um, getting your students to read about politics that are sometimes interesting to you and I, but boring to, to some students probably. Um, it's gotta be hard to make sure they're wearing masks as well. I mean, let's be honest.
4: It, it is, and when I walked across campus a couple of days, uh, I saw students with masks on, even though they were outside by themselves. And I saw some students that were in pairs or small groups without masks. I mean, this is just, its we reflect society. And so I think that this is, this is the expectations that we're going to have to go through for the next several weeks.
1: And finally, uh, you are the, the, the keeper of the keys when it comes to uh, all the absentee ballot uh, numbers out there. Actually, this is public knowledge. You just have, are wonky and you enjoy this stuff. <laughs> so, so, and I know you take that as a compliment. Um, I do. <laughs> where, where do we stand here in the state of North Carolina?
4: We are over a third of a million requests. And right now we are running at about 12 times ahead of where we were four years ago. You know, my expectation when absentee by mail ballots, the first round is mailed out on September 4th, we could potentially see half a million ballots mailed that day. It's anybody's guess where it goes from there.
1: I've been interviewing this guy for about 15 years, and his knowledge base always surprises me. Coronavirus, conventions, absent you name it, he can do it. All right. There we are. Dr. Bitzer, thank you as always. I appreciate it. My pleasure. More Flashpoint after this
4: really desperate.
0: Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going but when his request got stalled Craig contacted the defenders and asked where's the money. I
4: know that after you contacted them things
2: move pretty fast. Just glad we could help you.
0: If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure the WCNC Charlotte defenders are here to help. Email us at the defenders at wcnc.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money only on WCNC Charlotte
1: welcome back to Flashpoint. By the way, we want to mention Flashpoint now has a podcast. You can get it on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and more. Of course, you can also go to WCNC.com slash podcast and find it there. Also, come chat with me on both Twitter and Facebook. It's always interesting. It's always thoughtful, usually. Let's keep it that way at least. And then I'll see you back here next Sunday, 11 a.m. And then I hope to see you bright and early tomorrow morning, 4.30 a.m. for Wake Up Charlotte.